we're continuing in uh, this series called Go Big. And, and we were looking at, uh, as we walk through the book of Acts, we've been looking at uh, eight different characteristics that, uh, that, 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 that kind of make up a vibrant, healthy, growing church. And today we're going to look at uh, the characteristic of loving relationships. And oftentimes, uh, uh, relationships and loving relationships, it, uh, it, 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 it's being present in, in the hurt. Being present in the hurt. And so we're going to look at two different, uh, different instances today where, where, where Peter had to enter into the mess of someone's life. Where, where he had to, to go someplace where, where maybe it was going to be a slight bit uncomfortable, where, where, where it, was, it was a place where we might feel a bit awkward. Or where sometimes in those situations, that's where God calls us to go so we can deliver his love that he has shown us. See, he had, he had a successful career. I mean, he wasn't at the, at the top of uh, the food chain, but he, he, he had done well for himself. He didn't have to worry where his next meal came from. He was uh, doing well for he and his wife and his kids. Things were, things were going well. Yeah, 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 there have been some lean times, some times where they had to tighten up the belt buckle, sometimes where they had to uh, make some cuts and, and go, through some, uh, go through some difficult times. But it seemed that whenever they went through one of those times, and they, they would just buckle down harder. They would put in some extra work. They would persevere, and with the perseverance and the hard work, it was always, always rewarded in time. And those difficult seasons, well, they soon turned around and began to look up again. That was, that was until the accident. It, 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 it kind of came out of nowhere. It, 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 no, no one wakes up thinking that this will be the last day that they get to use their legs. The last day they get to take a walk or dance with their wife. The last day they get to run around with their kids. The last day they get to go to work. No, no one is even sure quite what happened. I mean, it just hit him out of the blue and knocked him off of his feet. Literally. Next thing he knew, he couldn't feel his legs. They wouldn't move. They couldn't hold him up anymore. He, he struggled and he stri- t- tried. And, and every time he tried to push himself up and get his legs under him, his legs just couldn't hold his weight. His brothers carried him home to his wife. And they were crushed. That had been eight years ago. And for the last eight years, this man who had been a, a success in his business, a success in his field, now was reduced to begging for help just to feed his family. She was an absolute jewel. She, she's the type of person you want in your community. She's the kind of person you want in your circle of friends. The, the kind of person who, who almost knows what you need even before you need it. And if she heard there was a need, she'd show up with a meal. Maybe some coffee to sit and talk. Maybe it was just being present. Whatever that thing that you need, she almost had that sixth sense of what it was and brought it to you. She's the kind of person that just had the knack to deliver what was needed, where it was needed. When it was needed. Her specialty was sewing, though. She was a world class seamstress. If it was your birthday, it, would be, it wouldn't be uncommon for her to show up with, with, with a gift, something that she had handmade for you. For, for the expectant mothers in the community, she, she always would, would, would knit 
Yeah, a blanket. She'd, she'd, she'd make a blanket for the baby. And maybe a, a cute little onesie and, and something special for mom as well. She just had this knack of knowing what, what was needed. And she just exuded love wherever she went. She got sick. Just kind of all of a sudden out of the blue, she went from, it went from nothing to critical. And then she was gone. And no one knew quite what happened. No one could believe it. It just, it just seemed like yesterday that she was, she was helping someone over here. And just last week, it seemed like she was delivering a meal to, to that family. And now she was dead. And the word of her passing spread quickly and the entire community ached. How do we respond to situations like this? How do we respond to tragedies in our life, in the lives of those around us? What was the first thing we thought of when we heard of the shooting in Smithsburg? The lives that were lost. Some of us may have thought, man, that's really close to my house. I was just over that way last week. Maybe you know people who work at that place. See, survivor's guilt is a real thing. When something happens bad to a friend, when something tragic happens, sometimes the thing we want to do is we just want to push away. We want to keep our distance. When when someone's going through a difficult time, sometimes we don't want to show up because we don't want to, uh, we don't want to go and, and act like things are going too good for us, like things are going too well for us. We don't want to show off. We don't want to make them feel worse about the difficult time they're going through. And so sometimes when tragedy strikes, we stay away. Sometimes it's just easier to wait until things get better. Maybe we'll send the praying hands emoji. Maybe we even pray for them when they come to mind. What about death? What about death? Now that's a topic that everybody wants to talk about, right? You're all probably sitting there thinking, Mike, way to go. We're just kind of bring everything down for us just a little bit today. But for all those not named Jesus, death has a 100% success rate. And death makes us all cringe just a little because it makes us deal with, it makes us think about our own mortality. So it makes us all just a little bit uncomfortable. And so sometimes we just rather avoid the topic altogether. But the question we need to ask ourselves in situations like this is what is the loving thing to do? What is the loving thing to do? When we live in community with others, how do we respond when difficult seasons come? See, Peter had been traveling around. There had been persecution in uh, in, in Jerusalem. And so if you want, you can turn with me to Acts chapter nine. And, and so as, as the persecution began to rise, Peter began to, to travel about around a bit. He, he began to move out around uh, from uh, Jerusalem as a uh, center. We're going to see that the, the center of the church over the next few weeks moves from Jerusalem to, to a place of uh, where, where there's a more of a multicultural kind of uh, location. We're going to see move to Antioch. We're going to see that uh, the church begins to expand beyond just its Jewish foundation. And as Peter travels, he, he begins to make his way to the town of Lydda. 
It says, Peter traveled along the country. He went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. There he was. He was, he was just along the side of the road, right? I mean, he, what, what, what did he do? He, he had, we don't know what he had done. He had obviously worked somewhere. We imagine he might have done pretty well for himself. We imagine things had been better, but for some reason, something happened eight years ago that he lost the use of at least his legs. Maybe it was even legs and arms. He's paralyzed. He wasn't able to move. He required assistance. So friends would have to pick him up and carry him to a place. And he'd have to sit there and he'd have to beg. And can you imagine, after having earned a living for so many years, all of a sudden having to beg for money to provide for your family? Can you imagine the blow to his pride? And Peter is, is traveling, comes to, to Lydda. Lydda is, is somewhere in between uh, modern-day uh, Haifa and Tel Aviv, somewhere there along the coast of Israel. And he, he makes his way there, and he sees Aeneas on the side of the road. And I, I imagine that there's some sort of conversation. Maybe someone introduces him. Maybe he sees him there, and Peter is just uh, introducing himself, you know, wants to strike up conversation with this man. Yeah, somehow he knows his name, because I'm guessing that Aeneas isn't wearing a name tag, right? Hello, my name is Aeneas. And, and he comes up to him, and maybe he begins to have a conversation. And, hey, you know, what, what's happened? Maybe he was talking to someone else. He overheard the conversation. There's a friend there. And, and maybe Aeneas begins to tell Peter a story. Luke doesn't write all that down, but you can begin to imagine just kind of, uh, kind of the, this situation. You can kind of picture it as, as Peter comes up to him. And what does Peter do? He could just say, well, hey, man, it's a good conversation. Nice talking to you. Have a good day and, and walk on. Right? He, he had places to go. He maybe had people that he wanted to see. Maybe he knew someone there in Lydda. Maybe he, he was trying to get along. But, 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 but instead of just hustling along with his day, Peter enters He enters the mess. He encounters the uncomfortable so he can bring the love of God to someone in need. And so what does he say? He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. I think it's interesting how Peter says that. Because sometimes you'll say, you'll hear people say, in the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. But this time, he just says, Jesus heals you. I mean, Jesus wasn't physically there. It wasn't like Peter was walking and Jesus was right next to him. He says, hey, Jesus, heal this guy. But Jesus was present through Peter. That Peter was the vessel that God worked through that day. The vessel that Jesus would use to heal this man on this day in this spot. Because Peter is willing to stop and enter into his mess. A situation that might have been a little bit uncomfortable. Because Peter was obviously living a better life. He was able to walk. He was able to go wherever he wanted. He was able to to move on his own. And there was this man paralyzed on the side of the street. And Peter, being used by Jesus, brings healing to this man, not by human power, not by human ability, but through a loving act, being present with this man, God heals him. 
See, our acts of love are made more powerful when it's the love of God working through us to care for those around us. See, when we respond with love, it provides a pathway for us to share about Jesus. Did you notice that? Peter heals him. And immediately in his, he gets up. And all those who lived in Lydda and in Sharon saw this man. They'd seen him for eight years. They'd seen him on the side of the road. Maybe he's at the same place every day. Maybe he'd be on this corner of the and that corner. They, but they knew who he was. They knew his story. Maybe they, they used to visit his shop and, and maybe he used to make stuff for them. And they would go and they'd buy stuff from him. They knew his story. They knew who he was. And they'd seen him struggle for eight years and now they see him healed. And they saw him and they turned to the Lord. Because Peter was willing to stop and enter into the mess of this one man. This man who had nothing to offer him. This paralyzed man on the side of the road, Peter stops, Peter heals him. And that becomes an opportunity to share the love of God with others. And many come to faith. In Joppa, in Joppa, there's a disciple named Tabitha, also called Dorcas, which growing up, that always made me laugh. So just, her name was Dorcas. But she was always good, and she was always, she was always doing good. She was always helping the poor. And, and about that same time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men at once to him and urged them, please, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room and all the widows stood around him and they were crying. They were showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. And turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, that was probably nicer than calling her a Dorcas. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and, and helped her to her feet, and then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Can you imagine? someone who is so uh, uh, deeply connected to the heart of the community, someone who is so loving and so kind, all of a sudden getting sick. And in a moment, it seems like going from well to sick to dying. Peter's just up the road. It's actually about a three or four hour walk. And so as soon as Dorcas died, they sent these guys away to find Peter because it was their custom that they would bury the body before sundown. And so uh, the women would, would take her uh, to this room. They would wash her body. They would prepare her body for burial. They didn't have modern refrigeration. They didn't have modern embalmment. So they, they, they did what they could and they, 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 they made her look nice and decent and covered her and, and all that. And they're doing this as, as these gentlemen go and find Peter. And they go to Peter and they said, Peter, they, they begin to tell her, tell him about, about Tabitha. They begin to tell, her about, they tell him about what she means to their community, what she does. And, and Peter seems to leave at once. And they begin to hustle their way back. And they get to the house. And you've all been to a house where 
Someone has just died. There are people in various stages of grief, people mourning in their own way, some mourning very loudly, some mourning very, very, very quietly. Some are holding it in. Some are just trying to be strong for those around them. He gets there and they, he takes, they, they take him to the room where her body was. And he clears the room. Which, which is always kind of interesting because it, you know, with the, uh, Jesus with uh, Jairus' daughter, he clears the room except for everybody, except for like, the, the parents and, and, the, and, and his three closest disciples. They clear everyone out of the way. It's just, because the room, it's just Peter and it's just Tabitha. And he looks at her. He kneels and he, he prays. And all, all that we get from the prayer is, Tabitha, get up. Tabitha, get up. And this body that had been laying lifeless, lifeless for hours, now was resuscitated. Now is revivified. There is life in her again. And she sits up, her eyes brighten, her hands warm. And Peter reunites her with her friends. And news about this spreads quickly through Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Think about the relationships that Tabitha had with those around her. Think about the relationships that, that, that just that, that caring heart. The, 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 the heart she had for those around her, the relationships that, 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 that her death, her untimely death. Maybe they would say even she died too young. Was such a loss that they raced to get Peter because they needed that heart back in their community. So Peter enters into the mess. And sometimes the mess of death can be worse than the mess of disease because there's a finality to death. There's a sadness. There's, there's a darkness. I mean, if someone is sick, we're like, well, they, they can get better. But if, if someone dies, th- th- their, their, their battle is done. Even diseases that are, are thought to be terminal are starting to be able to be cured. And so everyone mourns and handles death differently. But sometimes, sometimes death can be messy. And sometimes it can bring out the worst in all of us. From time to time in this series, as we've, we've looked at uh, engaging our communities. We've looked at uh, loving relationships. As we've we looked at serving those around us. What are the, some of the things we've said? We've said that, that good deeds prepare the way for good news, right? Good deeds prepare the way for good news. So, so Peter, he arrives in Lydda. He heals Aeneas. And what happens? It gives him an opportunity to share good news. Many people come to the Lord. He's called down to Joppa. He uh, enters into uh, the mess of Tabitha's death. He brings healing. He, he revives her. He brings her back to life. And, and people are amazed at this and gives him an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And what? Many people come to the Lord. Good news, good deeds prepare the way for good news. We've also said, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so Peter shows uh, ultimate acts of caring for these people. And it draws an audience, and he uses that as an opportunity to share with them about the gospel. 
Yeah, Tabitha obviously had been living that out. That, 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 that testimony was, it was immensely uh, uh, more powerful. We don't know anything else about Aeneas. I imagine he was probably a pretty good fellow as well. But we hear more of, of Tabitha's testimony about how she loved those around her. And so her being brought back to life, she, it adds on to Peter's story. Jesus would tell it to, tell it to us this way. In the upper room, the night before he was crucified, he said, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Later on, the, 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 the mood might have been even more tense, especially in, in Jesus' heart as he knows that he's about to go to the garden. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows that the crucifixion is before him. And he just, he, he just kind of cuts to the chase. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved what better way, and what better place to show our love for another than entering into the mess of someone else's life and helping them in their time of need? Jesus told a parable. There was a man, he was traveling, and on his travel, he was uh, uh, beaten up, robbed, and left for dead. It was a dangerous highway that he was, he, he was traveling, a different path he was traveling. But, uh, but, but it was known f- for these uh, situations where people would just lie in wait and, and pounce on unexpected travelers. That same day, uh, a priest is traveling the same road, and he sees uh, the, the man. He's traveling the same direction. He's traveling away from Jerusalem. He's traveling, maybe going back home. And he sees the man. He could stop. He could help, but he's just, just too busy. So he passes by on the other side and continues on his way. A Levite, a, 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 a worker in the temple, he too is passing on the same, the, the same way, going the same direction, going away from Jerusalem. He's going back, back home to be with his family. And as he sees the man on the side of the road, does he stop? Does he engage him? No, he, he too passes by on the other side. Then there was a Samaritan, which may not mean much to us, but to them, it would have been the cultural enemy. So whatever kind of person you think stands opposed to who you are, the, t- the kind of person you would not want to meet, not want to encounter, imagine it's that person walking down the road, and he finds you on the side of the road, beaten up, robbed, left for dead. This is the man who stops. And he, he gets off his donkey. He uses his supplies to, to uh, care for his wounds. He uses his donkey to transport him to an inn. He uses his money to pay the innkeeper and says, take care of this man until he is well. And if it costs more than this, when I come back through, I will cover that expense as well. See, loving relationships require us to go deep with those around us. Not everyone but someone or someone's relationships are, are best built in kind of small group environments where we can sit around in a room and we can sit, sit around tables, sit around in couches and, and just share life with one another. I, I love it on Sunday morning when, when, when people uh, stay a little bit later and there's conversations going on. There's a buzz in the lobby. When you hear uh, the kids running around and, and, and there's laughter and there's just, and there's joy. As relationships are being deepened and connections are being made. It's one thing seeing in a pew, staring in the same direction, noticing the 
Same hairstyle week after week after week. Hearing the same voices week after week after week. Seeing the same position week after week after week. But I can pretty much take attendance just by where people sit. My first ministry uh, was, uh, was, a, was a long, narrow kind of church. And, and uh, one day to just relax and blow off some steam, the preacher and I, we, uh, we, had, we had those plastic wiffle ball golf balls. So we went from the stage and we took kind of our wedges and we were trying to hit them up in the sound booth. And uh, we, we never did. Um, but we, we, we would land them, they would end up landing in the pews. And it's like, oh, so-and-so just took that one in the head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one's going to hurt. That was... And oftentimes we sit in the same places week after week after week. We kind of come in, we sit, we sing, we participate, we go home. You really spend the time to build relationships with one another. So when tragedy strikes, we know what is needed. We know what that other person needs. One of the strengths of our church is that it kind of just feels like home. That kind of feels like family. And that can be a strength because we can know each other well. But it can also be a weakness because do we allow new people in? Can new people, do, do, do they, when new families and when new friends join us, does it feel like home to them? Does it feel like they're joining a family? Do they feel a warm reception? Or does it feel like there's the family and we're the outsiders? Do we want to be a church that is growing, a church that is healthy, a church that is thriving. We need to continue to foster healthy relationships as new people come in, as new families come in, as new friends join us they are quickly welcomed into the family. That as tragedies, as, as, as successes and celebrations and, and hurts arise, that we can, uh, we can celebrate with those who need to be celebrated with. We can mourn with those who mourn. We can ache with those who ache. And we can uh, congratulate those who are doing well. <clears throat> See, Peter was intentional in engaging with those around him. Around him. He was intentional in engaging the mess of Aeneas' life. And when he was called upon to act with Tabitha, we, we can imagine there, there was times of celebration afterwards as people were responding that people would celebrate with them as well. And he stayed on in, in Joppa after he uh, raised uh, uh, Tabitha from the dead. It kind of almost became a, a little bit of a base for him for a while. And you can imagine that he engaged in life. He engaged in the relationships with those who were there. And that others came to know Jesus because of his presence. And so my question for us today is, do we engage relationships with, those same, with that same intentionality? That when we see a need, when we see an opportunity, do we enter into the mess with our friends, with our neighbors, with those who are around us, with those who we, do we look to build relationships with people who live near us, with people who work with us? Do we strategically, do we do so strategically so we can look for opportunities to share with them the gospel? See, this works best when we, when we connect with those around us. Sometimes in, in church, that, that, that connection looks like uh, being part of a Bible study. It might look like uh, 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 sharing with people in the lobby afterwards. It might be uh, uh, having people over to your house. 
Kind of those places that may be a little bit off schedule, a little bit out of the way where you engage in the life of those who are around you. Do we build relationships with those who are near us so we can continue uh, the, uh, the, the encouragement and the, the, the life that Jesus brought to us, that we strengthen that, th- those bonds among our people, among our family here? Do we connect with those? not just those inside the church, but also those outside the church, that we can use that as an opportunity to share with them the gospel. We also, as we connect with those around us, do we look for opportunities where we can share our story? Notice Peter doesn't just take care of a physical need. He doesn't just say, hey, Aeneas, man, now you can work. Good job, man. Now you can go back and take care of your family. No, but it became an opportunity for him to share the gospel. He didn't just return Tabitha to her community. I'm sure all, all, all the widows who were there were, were, were loving the people in that community were loving because she, she seemed to be such a loving and giving person. But, but that became an opportunity for Peter to share the gospel. And people came to know Jesus. So do we connect with others and hear their story? And some people's stories are a mess, right? I mean, sometimes our story is a mess. And so are we willing to enter into that story, enter into that mess and, and sit and listen? And then when it's appropriate to share our story with them, about what Jesus has done for us, about how God has moved in our life, about the, how, how Jesus came to, to die for our sins, to raise and was raised, raised from the dead to conquer death, to give us the hope and promise of new life. We share what God is doing in us, what he's done in us. We share with them our reality. That sometimes our life is a mess too. Maybe, maybe today, you're like, my life's a mess and I need Jesus to take care of that mess. Maybe today you need to connect with those who are around you. Maybe today you need to look for opportunities to share your story. But maybe today what you most need is to, to, uh, to submit your life to baptism. To, to make Jesus your Savior. Whatever step you may need to take today, we would love to have a moment to talk with you. Maybe be here in the front, maybe in the lobby before you go. We will help you take that next step in your faith. Maybe you want to just kind of keep it quiet and personal, but we would love to be able to follow up with you. And one way you can do that is by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com connect. And there you can fill out your name and all that and check the box that's appropriate. And we'll follow up with you and we'll help you and we'll pray for you and we'll help resource you as best we can so you can continue in your journey of faith with Jesus. See, when we're willing to enter the mess with people, it gives us greater credibility. It gives us more opportunities to share with them the good news. And so this week, as we go, may we live with eyes wide open. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus to, the hurt, to a hurting world this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you first loved us. Father, you came and you sought us out. Father, your desire was uh, to be restored to relationship with us again. And Father, you went to uh, the greatest lengths to make that possible by sending your son, Jesus. To, to come to earth, to die in our place, Father, to give us uh, the hope and promise of new life. And so, Father, I pray that uh, that 
becomes uh, kind of uh, a, a well of new life in us, that we, from that, from the way you have loved us, Father, may we love others around us well. Father, as we see hurts and as we see needs around us, would, would we be open? Would we share out of that heart a, a, a greater love for you? Father, would we share out of that place that you first loved us? Would we love others, Father, as you have loved us? May we love those around us. Father, because the way we treat those around us, the way we love those around us, Father, we will most be known by your, as your disciples. And so, Father, would you help us to go this week? And as we love others well, would you give us opportunities to share, to open our mouth, to share our story, to share what you're doing in us, share what you've done through us, Father, to share the love you have for those who we're in relationship with, that they may see and hear and know of your goodness. Father, may we be your vessels. May we be your instruments this week to love, this, to love your world the world you've given us, the world you've saved through Jesus. Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we are glad that you have joined us today. Uh, before you leave, make sure you congratulate Samuel on his, on his graduation. If you uh, happen to know how to get, if you, if you happen to be able to get a hold of uh, Maddie, uh, do so with her as well. Uh, but we are glad you've joined us, and we hope to see you guys again next week. <laughs>